one to die That he might give Eternal life That I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment. But first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. As most of y'all know, there has been several more shootings. People in El Paso, Texas, and also up in Ohio. And there will be a great move on by many to outlaw more guns. You'll be hearing it as though that's going to be the answer to the problem. There are millions and millions of people in America that have guns and haven't shot anybody. So that's not the problem. I'm going to talk to you about what I do believe is the problem. It's a simple thing. It's not hard. It's not complex to understand. Man has a sinful nature. There's the problem. Man sins. There's the problem. And all the legislation in the world has nothing to do with the nature of man. Except trying to punish those who do that which they should not do. But we've become so lax on that that nothing has been done to solve the real problem how to give man another nature, which is by trusting Christ as their Savior. They've taken God and Bible and prayer and those things out of the schools, and uh, most churches don't teach the Bible anymore, and therefore there's no way of solving the problem, so things are not going to get better and better. They're going to get worse and worse. I want you to take your Bible and turn, first of all, to the book of Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Now, I may be moving on a little faster today because of, you know, the time. And also because we want to have communion service this morning. And I um, usually like to stop on time, which is 1.30. (laughs) The book of Isaiah... Chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. Not to do so is what's causing the problems with mankind. Because we don't think about the Lord. We don't care about what he wants. Our mind is not at peace. People are at war with themselves. And it's only natural for every once in a while somebody's going to lose control and do whatever they want to do. But he says, 
whose mind is stayed upon thee, and here's the reason, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And people do not have the strength to control their old sinful nature. Now turn in your Bible to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. The book of Corinthians tells us a lot about people who were living in total rebellion to the will of God. They trusted Christ as Savior. They have eternal life. They're going to heaven when they die. But as a body of believers, they were guilty of about 14 major sins, problems in the congregation. And uh, so most people will say, well, that's a sign they weren't saved. The scriptures doesn't teach that. It just means they were acting like children in the flesh, acting like lost people, being controlled by their old sinful nature. Now, there's a lot of people like that. I know we don't have anybody like that here this morning. They're all outside. But now here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, I want to show you how Paul seeks to help the people who are having a problem. And this is what he says. In verse 1 of chapter 10, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, did all drink the same spiritual drink, for that they drink of that spiritual rock that followed them, which is Christ. But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now they were overthrown because of the temptations mentioned in verse 12. And so then he says, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. This is where you have your problems from. You're born with a sinful nature. You're going to do sinful things because you have a sinful mind. And the only way to control a sinful mind is with a holy mind. In other words, learning to think the way God wants you to think. First of all, America needs God. They need to trust Christ as their Savior. They need to know that you're not going to legislate righteousness by those that are in Washington. They're part of our problem, but the only reason they are there is because we've got so many wicked, sinful people who put them there. Now, I'm not going to get sidetracked. I'm not going to do that. Look what he says here. So he says there in verse 7, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and think, a drink and rose up to play. That doesn't mean they were playing house. They were playing in sinful lust. They were being wicked, adultery, fornication, and you name it, and they were guilty. This is what was happening to the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. All these things were happening while they were in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And so he says in verse 8, Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed, fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things, says in verse 11, Happen unto them for examples that they are written for our admonition, 
And the reason is, is so we would realize, as he tells these people here in Corinthians, in the church at Corinth, judgment is going to come. In other words, some things are going to happen to you. Now, even though you may not see God, yet the Bible tells us how God says, he said, I brought you out by my mighty hand. But nobody saw the hand of God. And God says, I did this, and God said, I did that. All these things that God did, but no, you don't see God, but God is working behind the scenes. And God is also watching your life and my life. You cannot live as you please without suffering the consequences. You can't just thub your nose at God and think it really doesn't matter. You can't sow wild oats and then pray for a crop failure. You are going to suffer consequences in your life. Now, there's a lot of things I could say, but I'm going to try to hold on to my notes if I ever get to them. Number one there, the text, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, and everything give thanks. Now, you'll notice that I titled this, Complaining May Be Dangerous to Your Health. And complaining is generally because of anger and bitterness and envying and hatred you know, those internal sins, the internal sins of the mind, when you don't have a peace of mind and you have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. When those things control you without a higher power controlling those things, you're in a heap of trouble because you'll do whatever is right in your own eyes. You become a God unto yourself. Now, you may know Christ as Savior. You're God's child. You know you're going to heaven when you die. And yet, at the same time, have absolutely no control over that old sinful nature that you have. So I want you to look there, first of all, at number the, the word where I have the first. Because God deserves our gratitude. Do you not think that God deserves gratitude for us to be thankful to the Lord for what we have? If we have tomorrow... Only what we were thankful to the Lord for today would we have anything tomorrow. But a lot of people, they spend their whole lives and it's just one big complaining session. It's all they do, complain about everything. Look at the next statement. And I want you to see this because I believe it's so important. Where I have it in bold, I just want to read those points to you first of all. Number one, all complaining is sin. And I'll show you that in just a moment. Look at number two in your page. Number two, all complaining is against God. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, I'm not through yet. Number three on the back page, all complaining is addictive because you don't do it alone. It becomes a habit in your life. Number four, all complaining is contagious because whenever you get Mad or angry and bitter. The Bible says the root of bitterness springs up and many become defiled because of it. You cannot be a person that's angry and bitter and hateful without it affecting other people. You'll make them the same way. I've had it to where somebody says, you know that Yankee, he really gets on my nerves. He said something and I despise what he said. And so they say that to somebody else. And so the other person picks up the little banner and spreads it to a few more people that I've never said anything to, never did anything to, and they may have just misunderstood what I said. 
Now, I may have said something that really does. But if I do, you're supposed to come to me and say, Preacher, uh, I have an issue. I, I need to talk to you about this. And if me and you can solve it, why tell somebody who is not a solution to the problem? Unless you just want to spread dirt. You know how you make a mountain out of a molehill? More dirt. Now, some of y'all could get wise if you just listened to the preacher. You see, these are things you ought to be writing down. You can use them down the road. Now, look at the next statement. Number five is all complaining destroys reason. And number six, all complaining brings the chastening of God. And the reason this was important, because in Corinthians, they were very rebellious to the Lord. They were not in unison. They were not working together. They did not love each other. And they were doing and committing sins that God was going to have to judge. And because of that, he gives them a wonderful illustration so they would know uh, you've got problems coming down the road. Now, what I want you to do is take your Bible and turn to the book of Exodus chapter 14. First of all, Exodus chapter 2. I want you to see that first of all. Exodus and chapter 2. The book of Exodus chapter 2. And look in verse 23. Verse 23. I want you to see that God saw what was going on down in Egypt. Before he ever sent Moses down there to tell him, you let my people go. God already saw what was being done to his people. And so he says in verse 23, And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. So the people cried out, God heard, and God was going to solve the problem. In verse 24, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and then Isaac and Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel. So God heard, and God saw, and God looked, and God's going to do something about the situation. But Later on, whenever they started their complaining, they didn't believe that uh, they did anything like that. So look there in verse 7. In verse 7 of Exodus chapter 3, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. So whenever you know that God, wherever God was, and the children of Israel, wherever they were, God saw them. What you can learn from some of these things is this. God sees you. God knows what you're going through. He knows all of your burdens. He knows your cares. He knows how you think. He knows how you feel. You ought to know God knows. And then he says this. In verse 7, I have seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster, and I know their what? If God knows their sorrows, does he know your sorrows? This is why he says, read these Old Testament stories because they're true illustrations. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple, according to the Psalm 19 Psalm. So when you read these stories, you learn how God works, what God knows, what God sees, and what God can do about it. Now, in verse 7 through 9, look what he said in verse 8. 
And I am come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. Now, wait a minute. God said, I'm going to go down to Egypt and I'm going to deliver them. Who did he use? A man named Moses. Now, God says he did it. Later on, he blamed Moses for doing it. You say, God did it? Yeah, God did that. And I'll show you that in just a second. So, here in Exodus in chapter 14, remember this. A lot of times we may complain, but the disagreement that comes with an accusation is the problem. Whenever you're, you hurt my toe, oh, I hurt my toe. Now, you complain about your toe being hurt. But the reason my toes hurt is because you got milk in the refrigerator. So you blame it on somebody. Somebody, it's always somebody else's fault why you hurt. I don't care what goes on. Somebody's to blame. And you don't always look in the mirror. You want to take and throw it on somebody else as a reason why you lose your cool. You got to blame somebody. It's the blame game. Remember in the Adam and Eve in the garden? It was that woman you made me. That snake you made, it was, it was them. Now, you're not like that, but you know it's in the Bible. You need to know the stories are in here. So in chapter 14, look there with me. I want to show you a couple of things. In chapter 14, the Bible tells us in verse 11, they were now coming out of the Egypt. And so you look there in uh, verse 10. Let's just look there in verse 10 real quick. He said, and when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. They were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. Now, God is leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. And here comes Pharaoh and his army. Did God know that that was going to happen? God knew that, because God knows the future. And you say, trust the Lord. So the first thing they do is they start complaining. And you see what he says here in verse 11. And they said unto Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? And then they said in verse 12, it would have been better if we just let us serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. It would have been better. Well, when they're the ones that ask God. But they forgot that, remember? Because the taskmasters and how much sorrow they had and the groaning that they went through. Deliver us, and so God's deliver them. And so what are they doing? Complaining already. And so, but all complaining is sin. Remember this. You may argue about something without condemnation. But when you argue with somebody and you're trying to condemn somebody, that's when you've got to be very careful. Because there is a judgment upon God's people for murmuring, complaining. That means that you really don't believe that God is in control of anything. So you've got to get mad at people because people are going to do you wrong. You already know that. People can become ugly. And the first thing you want to do is to give them a Hawaiian five. Let them know how much you love them. So there's a price to pay. Now, look there. Israel's second complaint 
1523. Look at that real quick. The time had come where they had been out there in the desert, the wilderness, and uh, they got thirsty. See what it says in verse 24? And the people murmured against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Remember, in the New Testament, it's telling us to read this story. Because if you murmur and complain against God, God going to deal with you. Now, you don't know when and you don't know how. But you will pay a price for it. You cannot live as you please and think, well, it doesn't matter. All of life matters. All decisions matter. All the sins of the mind matter. Like they say, well, if, you know, you don't mind, it don't matter. And it does. And so he says here in verse 24, what shall we drink? And then it says here, and that God was going to try them. And he did. And he tried them. But he brought out some of the water. But he promised them down there in verse 26. He said, if you'll serve me, I'll put none of the diseases of the Egyptians upon you. They were in Egypt. They saw the miracles of God. They saw all the things that God was able to bring upon the children of Israel. He said, but if you'll serve me, I'll bring none of those things upon you. That was the best homeland security they could have. It was the best social security program they could have. They didn't have to build hospitals. And if they would serve them, they wouldn't have to have prisons. You see, there was a way that God dealt with things. And if you'll just listen to what God says, it'll solve a lot of our problems. The only way Washington can solve any of our problems is always with more money. More money will solve the problem, and it doesn't solve problems. Just like I have a lot of people say, you know, we're going to have this couple, they're going to get married, and they're only going to spend $50,000 on their wedding. And so that's, that makes it really special. They're like, that's going to really hold us together. Me and Betty spent $5 almost 60 years ago. It's not the amount of money you have. And it's not your money or lack of your money that's causing you to leave each other. It's the hardness of your heart. One person left the doors. <laughs> she told me, she says, I can't hardly walk. My feet are so bloody. I didn't want to ask her, what do you mean? But God corrected the problem. You'd think they would finally learn. Look at Israel's third complaint in chapter 16. Chapter 16 and verse 2, where it says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron in the wilderness. And now they're complaining. They're complaining about, look who they are. And so this was 15 days of the second month. This is talking about 45 days now they've been out there. And now they're murmuring and complaining. And look in verse 3. And the children of Israel said unto them, Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, and when we did eat bread to the full, and we have brought us forth, you brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Look what you did to us. We'd have been better off if we'd have stayed back there. I never had problems until I made up my mind I was going to serve the Lord. It was easy for me before I ever trusted Christ as Savior and decided to serve the Lord because I just did whatever I wanted. And feel like I answered to anybody. Then I trusted Christ as my Savior. He gave me eternal life. Now I'm God's child. And then I thought, I want to serve the Lord. Oh, my stars. 
I didn't know what that meant. And then I found out it, it affects every area of my life. It affects the things that I say, the things I think, where I go, how I live. Everything about me matters. Before that, nothing mattered. Most people, you're not going to have any problems in your life until you dedicate your life to the Lord. And then it'll get worse. And then you'll say, I was better off before I ever knew the Lord. Well, la-dee-da. I've had a man tell me one time, I didn't ask to be born. I said, who did? And so I'm supposed to explain why he was born. All I know is God loves you. And you might live like, God, nobody loves me. But he does. But there's some things that happens. Look down here in verse 7. And in the morning when ye shall see the glory of the Lord, for that he heareth your murmurings, get this, against the Lord. And what are we that we murmur against us? Did you murmur against us? And Moses said, this shall be when the Lord shall give you in the evening flesh to eat, and in the morning bread to the poor, for that the Lord heareth your murmurings, which you murmur Get this, against him. Now, you can murmur all you want, complain all you want, but when you do it, it's not really the person. It's God. When you get angry because somebody made me mad, and you get angry at them, you're not really angry at that person. You're angry because, you see, God could have changed that. God could have gave you nicer people. So it's God's fault. And you get mad because you lost control. He made me mad. He made me angry. You got mad of your own choice. You get angry because of your own choice. You get filled with envy and bitterness and jealousy and all the way. You chose to do that. Nobody can make you laugh unless you want to laugh. And nobody can make you frown unless you want to frown. You can choose. I read a few jokes while ago. And some of y'all chose to laugh. And others said there, I will not, I will not, I will not. And I hope you get a bad case of hiccups. Because they were good jokes. But anyway. But now notice the last line here. Your murmurings are not against us, but against who? Now they're aiming it at Moses. Aiming it at Aaron. You can always aim at somebody. But God knows your heart. God knows that somebody that's more powerful could have made things different and all we want in life is just peace and tranquility but it don't happen that way things go wrong now I want you to see this all the sinning is against God number two Israel fourth complaint Israel like water the second time look in chapter 17 in chapter 17 you'll notice that they had no water again And so the people were ready to stone Moses. In verse 4, Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, What shall I do unto this people? They are ready to stone me. And so the Lord spake unto Moses in verse 5. And he says, Now I want you just to strike the rock. And the rock, see, is a picture of Christ in the Old Testament. And when he strikes the rock, is a picture of Christ being crucified on the cross for the sins of the world. He was the living water. See, it's an illustration in the Old Testament, but in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, we just read just a moment ago, Christ was the rock. And it's a story about what he he did. The water was bitter. 
And they put a tree in it, and the water became sweet enough they could drink it. Life is bitter, but with Christ, you can handle it. There's all kind of lessons that you can learn. So he says there, to smite the rock. So he did, and the water was provided. And so they wanted to know, is the Lord, is he with us or not? Here's man out there with two million people, and they're all complaining. Is there any end to that? Do you have to be baptized in water to be saved and go to heaven? Would that make the person who baptized you your Savior? There are at least five baptisms in the Bible. Which one gets you to heaven? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace